Welcome everybody to once again to Goosebuds episode seven. Special episode. Very special. Very incredibly special. Hey, Goosebuds, where the buds come first and the gooses come later. Buds before gooses. What's that's good our for new tagline. Is good for the buddies. Oh, uh, you know, can we? I don't. I never liked calling girls birds or chickens. By the way, that was being very inoffensive. <laughs> when we're talking about it. I never did that because I'm not British. So. <laughs> oh no no no! I guess I guess it was a British thing too. I just remember when those when, birds. I think sorry, chickens is the uh, hood term uh, from the nineties. Chicken heads. Chicken heads. It's chicken heads. Yeah. And and Chad, I, I believe you're about to tell an anecdote about. The song No Pigeons. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dom, will you please do it for me? Oh, you know, I, I there's just this song. There's, it's called No Scrubs by TLC, I think. Mm-hmm. And then uh, some, some, some men got together and they said, hey, don't talk about my friends that way. We don't want no pigeons. Yeah, and, it, was, uh, it was such a weird term to use. It was like they bob their heads like like sucking the d i think i think that's what they're going for whoa is that not wow, right really? is that not right Can you that listen that... to the song <laughs> is that not what it's about that sounds like a good metaphor though i i always thought chicken heads and pigeon serves for women were about the head moving up and down i swore there's a rap lyric at least makes that connection I assumed it yeah. was just uh, referring to people living in in the hood and their affinity for stray bird feet. That might be it. Yeah, um, I think you're I think you're ruining some people's poetry right now, Chad. <laughs> well, uh, I remember in their version of No Pigeons, which is a great music video if it's still online anywhere. They're so lazy about it. They're just like hanging out, like ah, uh, uh, they just they just covered No Scrubs too. If you they're like I don't want no pigeons. Girls, yeah, they couldn't get. even get pigeons for the video. It was just steroids. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty low budget. <laughs> they just didn't have anybody who could actually identify birds on set. So they're just like, that's probably a pigeon. <laughs> get it. Get it before it flies away. Yes. <laughs> Footage. We only got so much 16 millimeter film. <laughs> Wait, all right. I just right. like to imagine that the that the video only has one shot of one bird. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, dude, they just looped it and flipped it and flopped it and did everything they had to do to it, man. Yeah, wait, wait till you guys see the footage we got today. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, that's actually my favorite part about it. if you find you need to go find amateur rap music videos from like small cities. There are like. There are like fifty dudes who are just hungry to be the next like Spike Jones of rap music videos, and they're yeah. all trying the craziest stuff. It's great. They're like, "What if we put the solar flare filter on this one while I'm driving down the street?" Yeah, like, what if we like no. made your rap video while we we're in the drive-through of the Burger King? Would that be cool? That'd be like oh. a cool thing, right? I'm gonna sneak my cell phone into the Walmart. <laughs> oh yeah, put some flare on that. <laughs> Hey, we should probably introduce our new friend for this show. Oh, God, yeah. Our new I'm bud. Su- I'm super... Our, our new bud. You are... Aaron, are you the first new bud? Am I? Do I... Yeah. Is this like the Game Grumps where I get my own little uh, thing that I that goes up on the... No, we don't have anyone good enough to draw. Well, actually, no, we do have the uh, amazingly talented Molly Helms as our cover art, but she's more expensive. We'll just Photoshop you on a pigeon later. It'll be <laughs> That'll be <Perfect>. cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll just do well, that. Well, I'm Aaron. Hello. Hi. Yeah, let me introduce So uh, if you're just tuning into the show for the first time, we cover Goosebump books and give them the critical eye they deserve. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Chad Quant. I'm Dominic. And I am other host, Paul. 
And our special guest, our first goose bud, is our good friend Aaron Walkie. Hello. You might recognize my sultry, dulcet tones from Paranoia Shop or nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is a special episode because, I mean, it's not an anniversary. It, it could be an anniversary. We're not consistent with this ep- with the show that much. Uh, it might be an anniversary. We should check. But episode seven, Night of the Living Dummy, is a pretty landmark Goosebumps book, I feel like. I, I am honored to be on this episode with you guys oh. because uh, as I, I think I've told Dom and Chad separately on a few occasions, uh, Goosebum, Goosebumps and Goosebuds were both a big part of my life uh, growing up. Uh, I was so obsessed <laughs> with Goosebumps when I was a kid that I actually ordered them literally by the crate from that Holy. little checkmark thing that's in the back when it's like, you can order these straight from Scholastic or whatever. Oh, the Scholastic Book Club one? Yeah, yeah I, I, I checked off all of them and made my parents buy them, and I just consumed them rapidly. Plus, you named Damn. your firstborn Slappy, which is really, really cool of you. I did. I was a lonely child. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Sla- the Slappy, the villain, we'll get into that, is like the the main mascot of Goosebumps, right? Like, yeah. I feel like he's arguably the main Is face. He? He's kind of one of the big three, I think. Yeah, I guess you're right. I'm trying to think who else really... Well, there's, well, there's Curly, guys. Let's not forget about sorry, the Curly, sunglass-wearing sorry, skeleton. Curly, Curly the skeleton, who's not in any of the books, is probably the actual mascot. Yeah. But Hold on, wait, I don't even know of Curly the Skeleton. No, we named don't Curly. Don't Google it. <laughs> you I'm doing it. Oh, should I already did it? Oh, scary. oh my god, I just, I just turned into a skeleton myself. I'm so scared. He was like a rad skateboarder skeleton. Yeah, there was also Monster Blood is sort of like the other seminal thing. All right, so if we're looking at this like the way like DC or Marvel have their like the big threes, so it's like Iron Man, Thor, and Cap. Goosebumps' right. big three is Curly. It looks like, yeah. Slappy. Uh-huh. And maybe I can't, the I can't, Mask. I can't, no, maybe, yeah. A can of Monster Blood and just a scared teenager. Yeah. Well, just like a shocked teenager. If I'm going by the Shrieks and, Spider, or the Shrieks and Spiders game, for Goosebumps, which, I owned. which which Dom owns, Slappy, Curly, Mummy. Oh, the Mummy? I don't the know about the Mummy. There. I don't know. That might have just been like it was Ooh, the first. Might have been like I've, the first five books that come out. So like that's good enough. We got enough characters. Put them on the front. Yeah, everyone knows what a Mummy is. Throw it in there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that way they I, know I think uh, a hamster. I think it was said, but hamster, Monster Blood too. Yeah, yeah, totally. That hamster. Monster, he, hamster. He he was kind of. I think he was a. Uh, Kids meal toy at some point. Yeah, that feels right. He's he is the avatar of Monster Blood, the carrier of it. The, probably the most most well known carrier. Probably better that Blood. than the, that one dog who ate some and got sick. Just got real sick. Yeah. Got real Do you sick. think they did they ever sell Monster Blood? Like, did they ever just like get Nickelodeon to release a Monster Blood gag? Yeah, why wouldn't they? Must have right. They had to have Hold done on. that. We right? have, I think, we it, have I think it might have been a deal with a Scholastic book. Like, if you ordered a certain one or whatever, like, you paid a little bit more money and got the deluxe edition or something. I remember they did that with Goosebumps boxers one time, and, like, <laughs> all the kids in my class got them, but I didn't. Oh, I had Goosebumps bed sheets, man. Those things were fucking tight. What? I belonged to the Goosebumps fan club, and they would send you, like, a box of swag, like a loot crate, every three or four months Really? Or so. Yeah. Shit, oh god damn. Yeah, that sounds amazing. The, the most embarrassing thing is, I think I had the Goosebumps bed sheets well beyond uh, the point I should have had. I, I, had like, <laughs> I, I had one of those, like, what's, what's your smallest bed as a kid? Like a, like a single or whatever it is? Like a, a single yeah, double? Yeah. Like, I had one of those beds. I was like, I like this bed. And I was just, like, curled up into it in a fetal position. And way beyond the height that I should have been sleeping on, I still stayed on it. 
So I had these Goosebumps bed sheets because they were so cool. Oh, were they the purple ones? Were they the purple ones? Purple ones with, with like the different mascots popping up on it. Yeah, so yeah, green. it's got mummy, it's got yeah. curly, it's got slappy, it's got hamster all yeah, coming okay, out of monster. Maybe the bar. hamster. But the last part about it was me. There was at some point where I was thinking, I kind of like girls. I'd like to have them be in my bedroom. I don't know what I want to do yet. You don't want to scare them too much. So I, I don't, I, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do in the bedroom. But I wonder if they're going to like these goosebump sheets. I remember having that thought. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> Because that's a litmus test. <laughs> yeah, you were well on your way, Chad. Uh, maybe we should cover is, uh, it doesn't have to do this regular, but I feel like it might be good for us to check in when it's been a while. Uh, guys, what's been going on in your guys' lives? And follow-up question, has anything spooky or scary happened? Hmm. No pressure. Spooky or scary. Or just anything that's going on in your life, because it's been a while since we caught up. Well, I'll tell you what's been going on with my life. I moved. You moved. You're back. I'm I'm in I'm in Los Angeles. California dreams. Yeah, uh, the thing that happened in my life was I lost my best friend. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I said, uh, I said, Paul, uh, I love you, but uh, you, you just watch, <laughs> watching Goosebumps with you is too scary. That's I, what I said. That's what I said. Dom, you know, this is really sweet. This is very sweet. Um, I got to break something to you. You know, my best friend. My best friend was the pigeon that the the dude stole and used in that video for no <laughs> oh, pigeons. That was my best what? friend. You were my second Come best on. friend right after the pigeon. All right, that's a high level callback there, Paul. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty. I mean, I went back like five minutes, guys. That pigeon's pretty famous. So <laughs> second place is pretty good. I second think place. what's going to happen is you're you moved back out here. At some point, Paul will not be able to resist the siren call of Los Angeles. Then uh-huh. I'm going to move to Philly. <laughs> And then, yes. and then Aaron, yes. and then Aaron learns Chinese overnight and moves to China. And then, <laughs> I, yeah, and then, and then we, then we all come back at the four corners uh, of wherever that is in America: Nevada, uh, Utah, Utah. I'll meet you in Utah. We meet in four corners, in and we all stand in a different corner. And we go finally we're together. <laughs> we just we were like and ships that's- passing in the night. Dude, yeah, we'll do like a we'll do like a Captain Planet thing at that point. We'll okay, yeah, somebody. sure. If you want to go that way for it, yeah, we can. Yeah. maybe we'll summon R.L. Stein. Oh, that's it. That's <laughs> when R.L. Stein will be a guest on this on the show. That's when it'll be. Yeah, we gotta straighten our ship up before we get R.L. Stein on, though. By the way, guys, I feel like there's a ticking clock before R.L. Stein finds this show before we're ready for him yeah. and sues the shit out of you. I can't. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, like we're kind of promoting his book sales. A little bit. I don't know. We should get in on that, like a, like a referral fee with him. Also, another thing to realize, guys, is a lot of Goosebumps aren't in print anymore. I've been doing some research, especially for this last episode. Like, you just can't get some of these books anymore. Really? Some of them. Like, a few of them are just like, well, they're not, uh, according to the websites, unless there's a new printing coming out, it's just like, yeah, this one about a shark underwater, uh, can't get it. Too bad. Deep trouble. Yeah, deep trouble. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I have a, a thing about the book series I want to get into. I'll save it for later that it led me to these discoveries. It blew my mind. Uh, but we'll get back to that. Uh, Dom, you moved out. Paul, you haven't moved. I have Tom, not. What el- what else has happened in your life? In my... Huh. Uh, <laughs> what isn't happening? <laughs> 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 uh, well, trees uh, are green here now, which is nice. Uh, the Philadelphia is no longer a barren wasteland of, uh, of trash, um, which is nice. Um, we're finishing Smart Guys. It's almost done. We're very, very close. Uh, and then once we're done doing that, we got some big projects that we're we're planning and getting ready to work on. So, uh, if you guys don't have for some reason know Smart Smart Guys, the amazing Kickstarter series, 
Uh, you guys are. I got something from you guys. I kickstarted it. Are you guys going to sign it? Can you guys like put a special note in there and like make it pretend like I? <sighs> you know, you're really breaking my balls here, but okay. <laughs> I'm you sorry, know, Chad, which... that was the $35 reward. Yeah, uh, which tier did you pledge to? So. I don't remember what tier I pledged to, so I'm embarrassed to guess. <laughs> uh, don't worry, I, ju- I already judged you for how much money you gave us at some point, so I won't do it again. I know that you guys can see, uh, I'll save that story for another time, but you can actually be incredibly embarrassed when you change your pledge on your friend's Kickstarter. Uh, I did not do this to you, to another friend. It, it notifies them or something. They can see when a change has been made. Did you drop down? Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I'll give you the... Oh, I'll give you... Oh. I'll, all right, fine. I, I might have told you before. I'll give you the bare bones story. Aaron's heard this a million times. Uh, a friend uh, that I casually know had a ridiculously priced Kickstarter that was not going to make it. And I thought I had figured out the system of like, well, you know, it was like $10,000 to go and... They've only gotten $1,000 so far. I'm going to feel real good and promise $200. It's like free karma. Ooh. Free karma. It's free. Ooh. It honestly, as an idea, makes sense. Like, it's kind of a scummy Seinfeld-esque. It's a Seinfeld plot. It's totally yes. a Seinfeld plot. You promise more money than you'd ever want to pay, right. knowing that they're never going to get to collect it. But in their eyes, you're a hero. Like, Did you, you Have you watched the latest Silicon Valley so no, I'm not. Do they cover show? this? Oh, this yeah, is literally a plot line in yeah, one of the episodes. I'm so mad they took it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, no, they do that with Kamel Nanjiani's character. Yeah, it's yeah. kind yep. of like that. Yep. They totally do that. Yeah, so uh, wouldn't you know it, the friend who had their Kickstarter going, I realized far too late that they have pretty wealthy parents. Yeah, it's, oh, it's no. like Ch- Chad was bragging about his karma system, and then someone was like, <laughs> you realize that, that Charlotte has – really wealthy parents right right and, and then chad i saw the color drain out of his face because <laughs> when you have the if you have the money you might as well pay the rest of kickstarter yourself to get at least like you know two thousand dollars or whatever and yeah. wouldn't you know it the next day a five thousand dollar nation came in from some someone with the same last name and i had to awkwardly lower my pledge down to twenty five dollars <laughs> And then explain myself to her when she politely asked why that had changed. Except you didn't. You just she sent you a Facebook message saying, "Hey, I noticed you changed your Facebook pledge," and you just didn't respond. No, I responded. I responded. It took me like a month <laughs> after the connection started. Yeah, after yeah. So anyway, sorry. What was your What was your excuse? I need to know. Oh uh, God, what did I say? I think I said, I I either went one of drunk two ways. High. Drunk <laughs> high. I was either drunk. <laughs> I think I said I was. Uh, I think what I said was. I had clicked the wrong button. Yeah. <laughs> like, or or I went the really dastardly way and went for the sympathy route of like, uh, sorry, money's just tighter than I realized this month and I, uh, I got to pay the rent. Or something to make me feel like, oh, Chad was going to pay it even though his money was super tight. Like, even though you made that up. Even though I made that up. Right. Like, right. oh, God, it was a, it was a ter- I got, I got, I got a le- I learned a lesson from it. But uh, I think the system still works. Uh, we are way off topic from Goosebuds. Uh, hey, I just want to say, I want to get this, I just want to have this point said, and then we can move on, guys. Sure. All right. Next time that happens, Chad. <laughs> yeah. The ultimate excuse is just to say that I feel like you should say, uh, and you can only use it once, <laughs> but you can be like, look, I, I, this is a crazy story, but. Uh, I tried heroin for the first time. <laughs> it was a wild 24 hours, and I did a lot of things. But I 
I did want to donate, so I just lowered it to 25. <laughs> okay. Oh, wait. I, th- I thought you were going down a path where you were going to be like, I tried heroin for the first time, and I like it a lot. And, and I'm going to go no with that again. instead of paying Oh, that's you also money. the other way to go. I tried heroin oh, for well, some. I have no that's money the anymore. missing information. <laughs> <laughs> that's a I was going to say I was going to say I got bit by a snake and the anti-venom was really expensive. Cuz who's going to who's going to question you <laughs> on getting bit by a snake, you know what I'm saying? Al- alternatively, what you could do is you start to True. play this kind of social game where you're trying to see if your friend reaches out to you is you do that multiple times to them. And you keep telling them the excuse of, I tried heroin for the first time. I'm sorry. <laughs> and just wait for them to call you out on their, your heroin problem. <laughs> right. Yeah, and then the they're going to get you together, and they're going to make you do heroin right in front of them. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to be awesome. To it's prove be you're great. not a cop. We should jump into the book. So, so dummies. So dummies. So dummies. All right. So dummies. So did, dummies. You guys, did you guys know getting into this book, first off, that Slappy is, like, not in the book? Did I remember that? I didn't know that. I forgot. Yeah. It was, it was a real shock to me when, when it started happening. When we started to get into Mr. Woods, Mr. Woody, what was it? Mr. Yeah, Mr. Mr. I think Mr. Mr. Wood, James right? Woods Mr. Wood. is his name. Mr. James Mr. Woods. Mr. James Woods. When we got the into the other phallic uh, reference or nickname, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mr. Erection, I believe. Actually, yes, yeah, Slappy and Mr. Wood are both great porn star names. I hadn't thought about that. Yes, no they are. Name. Yes, they are. Uh, when we started getting all the Mr. Wood storylines, I was like, oh yeah, he's the guy. But in my brain, I was like, wait, is it Slappy doing this the whole time and making them think it's Mr. Wood? I couldn't remember. But then when I got to the end, I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. It was him. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. It was there was him. no twist. There. Yeah. Let's set you guys up in case you're not uh, following along with the books. This is a story about two twins who are the worst, <laughs> who both uh-huh. decide simultaneously to take up the popular teenage youth activity of ventriloquism <laughs> from a dummy they found in the garbage. <laughs> hey, Chad. I- you may make fun of them, but this town went fucking nuts. If you look at this book, minus the possessed demon dummy that comes up later, if this story is just about two youths <laughs> trying to change the world through the power of ventriloquism, yeah. it totally plays. I, that was actually yes. a, a specific note I had. It said, I, I said, it said, Chris wants her own dummy. Everyone at the school loves the dummy. For a split second, it feels like a chronicle of the rise of a dummy fad in middle school America. Oh, I know. I, <laughs> I kept cutting to like inspirational music. I'm just like, in my mind, the trailer is like, oh, I found this dummy. And then cutting to them, like trying out new jokes. And then cut to their parents who are like, you get that dummy out of here. I don't want to see that dummy ever again. And then cut to them, just like them practicing in the basement and quiet. It's like yeah. Oscar Academy Award winner, uh, girl from Little Miss Sunshine. And also other character that she's playing as Knight of the Dummy. It's, it's like when they try to play rock and roll in Syria. Like it's an underground <laughs> So the kids, uh, correct me if I miss any steps, the kids find a garbage dummy. Uh-huh. And then, so that's mysterious because that has a strange origin. But then immediately the father. Yeah, I was trying like, to figure out, was that like a, was it like a pods that they found it in, you know? Was it like a, like a, like a. 1-800-got-junk thing that they found it in. No, that really bothered me because theoretically... All right, no spoiler. These dummies are evil, right? The dummy is bad and bad magic. It's in the trash. Yeah. So did the trash turn it evil? Or was this an evil dummy that as soon as the person who... There's another story somewhere where someone had an encounter with Slappy and said, well, oh, I'm tired of this evil dummy. I'm going to throw him away. And it worked. Well, there's two I dummies. don't know. Well, no, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, the, Slappy's not evil. Slappy is turned evil, I think. I think. I don't right, know. Yeah. So to explain, though, like, so Slappy's found in the garbage, and you think, this is the dummy of the book. He's right. on the cover. 
Sounds good. And then the dad just gets another dummy. From the pawn shop. From the pawn <laughs> shop. And that pawn shop guy sells it to him real cheap, which you know was him offloading the, the curse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Mr. Wood is the that's dummy. A classic, that's a classic misdirection, though, is that a character will just buy another one of the same thing that you think you're about to see, and that's what the movie's about. <laughs> Which one is it? Which one is well, it? Well, no, yeah, I, mean, I got to give him credit, but also this feels like the sequel to a dummy story. And that, does. like, the, you, you mm-hmm. always – I'm following Chucky rules. The first story is always the doll itself being alive. And right. then you throw in either like the dummy's back, but but tougher, or has a bride, or has a twin brother paintball tournament. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what you that's what you go to. And now the fact there's two evil dummies. I mean, I mean, here, here's the problem: if you're looking at this book without any connection, knowing the Goosebumps franchise and mythos, you think Slappy's just a dummy that's just hanging out in the corner and is just a misdirect, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, well, okay, so I'm not every kid. In the United States, because for me, every dummy is evil. So I knew <laughs> from the get-go that every single one of these dummies was bad news. That's well, all. Well, Paul, I think you need to explain the story. Yes, of, please. Of why. Please, please, yeah, please, please dive into this. <laughs> we we did build up to this, didn't we? Uh, okay, so so I, I guess I'll, I'll lay it out now, so we can have it before everything else. Okay, sure. Uh, and I'll hum spookily. Please. <laughs> <laughs> no, please, don't make us don't make us put that in, in post-audio. Just take care of it. <laughs> yeah, just do it right now. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to tell a story with you humming in the background. No, I won't, I won't be able to listen. <laughs> I'll put, it, I'll put uh, it in something really good. It's a good really story. Good. I want to hear it. <laughs> so, uh, so I grew up in a, a relatively privileged suburban neighborhood, so I didn't have to worry about, like, bullets or starving or anything like that. So I was able to, to, to put all of my fear into irrational things, like being afraid of Chucky from the Chucky movies. Which is a completely logical thing to be afraid of. So I was very, I was a, I was a scared kid. I went to Catholic school. They, you know, hellfire and brimstone pumped into me from an early. They age. warned you about the devil and dummies. Yeah, you, I was like a stew of neuroses. You know, I was you, just like you were, you were a scared. I was a scared kid. I was a scared kid. <laughs> so, uh, and and my dad liked to scare me with horror movies when I was growing up. Uh, so so I was pretty scared of Chucky growing up. Like, like that was probably my number one fear was that movie. And, uh, and, and like my whole family knew it and my cousins knew it and they all tortured me with it. And I got, um, a, my buddy doll. I don't know if you guys remember the, my buddy doll. Oh yeah. Um, but it looked exactly like Chucky, like exactly like Chucky, but I had it before I was afraid of Chucky. So I loved it. I was like, Oh, it's my, you know, it was my buddy. I loved oh, it. Oh, and then it my ruined buddy. it for you. The movie. And then Chucky. It? Okay. So Chucky scared me. And I was like, I don't know if I trust this guy anymore. <laughs> <laughs> So, so I was like, so I decided, brilliant plan. I was like, I'll put him in the closet at night. That way, he can't come to life and murder me because he won't be able to get out of the closet. Which, from this uh, book, works apparently. Yeah, I, I, I never liked the idea of putting the thing that terrifies you where you can't see it. Actually, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, closet doors are worse when you can't tell what's behind them. Honestly, I always thought. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure when I did it. This is now. This is vague recollection. But I'm pretty sure when I did it, I put him in front of it. I had a rocking chair in my room. I'm pretty sure I put him in there and then did the, the old rocking chair under the, the doorknobs thing so that it couldn't open it, even if it wanted to. I was uh, okay. pretty safe about my, my Chucky that lived in my room. Um, he was pretty scared. I was pretty scared. <laughs> so I started throwing him in, the, in this closet. And, okay, my dad liked to play pranks on me as a kid. And 
I started throwing him in the closet, and then magically, in the morning I would wake up. So he, he was on the other side of my room, and the, I had, the, like I said, the rocking chair. I'd wake up in the morning after having thrown him in and locked him in, and there would be good old my buddy sitting on a rocking chair, <laughs> eye level with me, face to face. Holy shit. My face. Did you do something to piss for off your dad? Weeks. For weeks, it would happen. <laughs> and you've effectively just described the first half of this book this, with that I, anecdote. I lived this. I was. I, that's a note. Is that I lived this book. I was living it. <laughs> <laughs> like, Did it your was, dad ever like fess up for it, or like you know? he fessed up eventually, and then he started getting crazier with the scares. And I don't, I'll save those stories for another day. Holy but, shit! <laughs> but that was that was the first true scare he gave me, and dude, it was horrific because I. It, Look at these kids. Like, what happened to them in this story? That's what happened to me. And I had – my brother didn't do it. I knew he didn't do it. I talked to him about it because he was also scared. He was getting a little fear in him too, you know? Well, did it you was, and your brother also bicker and fight all the time like these two twins do to the point <laughs> of I hated them? Absolutely, because R.L. Stein nailed that dynamic. <laughs> I know. I was like, I guess this is just kind of like all of – I think half of this book feel, felt like the twins – uh, which I honestly, I kept forgetting halfway through if they were both girls, or like a boy, girl, I couldn't tell because their names were vaguely <laughs> unisex. And yeah, and they, he didn't, for some reason, spend a page describing their clothes and hair color and <laughs> physical descriptions this time like it normally does. He jumped right into them being unpleasant. Yeah, I the kids on this one are pretty terrible. Uh, I, I ask, do you think kids now – would even know what a ventriloquist dummy is. <laughs> uh, they would see it and hate it probably immediately. <laughs> yeah. I think. Yeah, I think that's a safe assumption. I mean, I'm, I hate most ventriloquist dummies I see. I mean, I'm not. I don't. I don't dislike ventriloquism, but they're pretty hideous looking. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that they're disturbing, but the first. It feels like the first time they find Slappy in the du- garbage. Their uh, first thought is, oh, no, someone put a baby in the trash. Yeah, that's the first jump scare. Isn't <laughs> the first jump scare is, yep. oh, no, a child in the trash. Oh, no, yep. the child is dead. <laughs> dead a garbage baby. <laughs> no, oh, no, the child is dead and turned into wood. <laughs> that's, the, that's the dummy. Uh, there's a lot of weird uh, – I, I should let you guys just actually hit some of your grievances or thoughts with the, the middle part of the story. We should just jump into it. The middle part? Uh, I mean, just like the early to middle part. I would, I would say the, the first part of it, the scariest thing that happens for a while, other than maybe seeing a dummy against a wall, is that one of the girls or guys, I forget, has nightmares that you don't see. Yeah, she doesn't even like, – it's just something that's chasing her, which the dummy never chases her. So she's not even having like a prescient vision or anything, which is – come on. Wasted, yeah, it's wasted not a, potential it's not a, there. It's not a premonition of anything. It's just like they had a bad dream when they woke up. Yeah, is this like a dream just brought on by like childhood anxiety? <laughs> like, is that what the, are we just getting a peek into the window of what these kids' life is like without scary dummies running around? <laughs> yeah, it's your it's your typical Catholic school neurosis nightmare. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess it, well, it's the pressure of Catholic school plus wanting to be a world class ventriloquist, yeah. weighing down on you, and then having a rival. That's actually a great comedy script. I don't know what it is like. Just two rival ventriloquist twins going at it with their their dummies. Yeah. So, the, like the whole premise of the book, and this is like the first two thirds of the book, is just two twin sisters hate 
uh, each other, and they get into a jealous rivalry over who can be a better ventriloquist. Pretty yeah, much. uh huh. Because the, the the spooky action that happens in the first two thirds is all brought on by the one jerk sister who's the who's the better ventriloquist, and thus deserves to be playing these pranks on her other sister. But she, <laughs> it's, it's Anne Rand of pranks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she. She pranks the fuck out of her sister, so you find out that all the spooky stuff that happened up to that point wasn't spooky. Yeah, this is Aaron. I know you've. I think you've listened to the podcast. I'm going to put you on the spot before. I wanted to hear your thoughts on how these these prank cliffhangers. Every kid in Goosebumps is a prank master. <laughs> they're all masters of pranks, and they are responsible for what you guys would say half of the cliffhangers. Or or like yeah half half the cliffhangers and it's always just another piece of shit kid <laughs> playing a prank on another one. So this right? is this is the one where we're all sounds like I gotta vary it up. I can't just keep having a prank and then a cliffhanger and then going gotcha it was a prank. I'm gonna have a bunch of scary things happen that get you genuinely fearful and excited and then yeah. build them up as a combo Dumb- breaker of Dummies all pranks. Them. They were all pranks. It was all yep. one mega prank, which I was like, well that's the end of the story. Like, yep. like, there's nothing yeah. haunted going on here, and yet we're only halfway through the book. I, I and was then, <laughs> and then she finds the horrible Latin curse inside of his inside of his thing, and decides to read it out loud. And yeah, then that, that so happens. That's like you could just skip that whole first fucking half of the book. It just it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Nothing scary <laughs> happened. It was just kids playing pranks. Also, I remember thinking there's a one of the one of the big scary things that Mister Water Slappy does. Uh, when you think he's possessed, goes to the fridge, puts some eggs on the ground. What uh-huh. a, what an evil dummy! <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So so Mr. Woods' big big idea of revenge. Uh, just to skip ahead a little bit, he gets like his head bonked by one of the twins. Oh, so you're uh-huh. coming to Mr. Wood is possessed. I don't remember where this happens. Does this happen after? This he's sounds possessed? like well, when he says his head. Yeah, I think this is after he's turned real. But anyway, so he to get his revenge, one of his his master plan is to go downstairs. Eat a bunch of chicken, put jewelry on, and then dump orange juice on it. Oh, no, sorry. Yeah, this is where he was fake. Yes. I was yeah. like, what is his game plan? <laughs> I don't know. Well, it's, I think it's more of a weird fetish that whatever is inside this doll. <laughs> what is, is, is inside that out. doll? Like, that was the first clue. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that cliffhanger ends, on, or maybe it's not a, where the cliffhanger ends, but I remember at one point in the height of the climax of that moment, uh, is it during the during the climax? She's like the refrigerator was empty, and I remember like reading that and being like, "That's it! Like, like he, he stole all your food! Like that was the big thing." Was it like a Grinch dummy? <laughs> yeah, he just had an eating disorder. Yeah, I think we're gonna have to start having like more adult concerns reading these books than kids would. Like my major concern, which was never resolved, was a passing comment on like, "Yeah, but remember we have that party today at school, a going away party for the student teacher, Mrs." Mrs. Flores, who has no relevance to the plot whatsoever. Uh-huh. That's mentioned for a paragraph. It's like, what happened to her? Did Miss Florence die? Is she going away? What happened? What's going on with her life? Never will know. Yep. <laughs> I will say in the first half of this book when they were having all these sort of uh, these weird nightmare sequences and she would just keep waking up and it would get really hot and muggy. Uh-huh. And, then, and then she would see the dummy propped up in the corner. It really felt like a steamy scene from a Harlequin romance novel. <laughs> <laughs> like he was there in the corner looking at him with his yeah. glass the, eyes. Well, well, hot and muggy. She gets out of bed. Is it really a dream? He, she starts <laughs> caressing his hair, his eyes gleaming in the moonlight. He grabs her hand, and they lean in for a kiss. 
Well, I think we can all agree that this is just uh, R.L. Stein's previous porn writing experience shining through yet again. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Sh- the shiny hair is like the the a cliche in that kind of uh, sexual writing. Well, thanks for reminding me. I need to look up that uh, <laughs> Goosebumps uh, slappy romance fan fiction exists. I am standing there right, oh, right now. Uh, of course, it oh, would, because why would you God. not be turned on by something from your childhood like everyone else is? Oh God! Oh no! If you could see oh no! Ah. Um, uh, Guys, do what, we do we? What are you do we, saying? Do you want to get the, do you want to get the is podcast? This like, taken? Is this like the Ninja Turtle dick photo? Do you want to get the podcast <laughs> taken down from uh, iTunes? Uh, the oh god, the first thing I saw, the first thing I saw was uh, I groan and think he is way better than Matt. I can't stop groaning as he keeps kissing and licking. I feel me about to come. Slappy's <laughs> breath against my ear stops me. Don't come yet. That's all I read. <laughs> so someone, uh, seemingly this man who has a picture of himself as the author who looks our age. Is he wearing a crown? Wearing a crown. Uh, found Hold on, himself... Burger King crown? Oh, sorry. It's a picture of uh, Moriarty from Sherlock. So I'm glad the Sherlock <laughs> fandom is doing real good. Uh, found himself motivated to do a fan fiction called No Escape from Panic Park. And the logline is, what if they never escape from Panic Park? What if they were forced to stay there for the rest of their lives? <laughs> Romance blooms between two characters. And will the menace find out or not? And will Slappy find out about Brittany and Matt's romance or not? <laughs> Sorry. Hey, uh, it's posing a lot of questions. If it's, if it's bringing up that many questions in the logline, can you imagine what kind of questions the narrative brings up? I mean, come on. I had not, thought, so I had not thought about Slappy as an erotic lead, but now... I mean, this is chapter 12. This is, to be fair, yeah, I'm sure they laid a lot of groundwork to really establish. <laughs> uh, Did he hold his cum? We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to let you guys read on to find out. I will, unfortunately, <laughs> include a link to this in the YouTube video of this episode. Um... Let's get this. Let's get this up to the top of the fanfiction.net forums. Am I right? Uh, anyway, sorry. So, so, the, so the two girls. The two girls. Let's get back to about this story about these teenage girls <laughs> who want to be ventriloquists and have a possessed uh-huh. dummy. I just wanted to read the description of Mr. Wood when he's introduced, because okay. and then we can play off it. So, uh, Slappy is found in the dumpster, and then the dad brings in Mr. Wood, who's the cool new dummy, and it says. The new dummy wore blue denim jeans and a red and green flannel shirt. And instead of the formal-looking shiny brown shoes that Slappy had, he had white high-top sneakers. That's one cool-ass dummy. Oh, yeah. That's... Oh, man. No, I made, I made a note of that when this happened. It was, as soon as I read that, I envisioned, like, cool 80s music talking <laughs> in. Like, the new kid at school, Mr. Wood. Like, sunglasses <laughs> popping on. He's popping and locking in my brain, dude. Yeah. Like, I'm seeing him just dancing. <laughs> I, I wrote that you would have to go to the, like the assembly theater, and there would be a ventriloquist. Mister Wood is the cool dummy that they would bring out, and everyone in the crowd would be like, "Damn, I do." My favorite part was Mister Wood. I would talk about Sega Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> he had a great joke about Vector Man that really resonated with me. I, I think the fact that uh, this... that really happened one time, by the way, we had a public seminar <laughs> school, and. Uh, the outline was, let's go play with your Sega Genesis. <laughs> Hopped away. That's, a, that's his, that's his, like, that's his button. That's his, that's his button. Uh, yeah, man. I think, it's been, I think it's important to note that there are multiple times the phrase, wow, she's a way cooler ventriloquist than me is spoken in this book. <laughs> that dummy is straight from a Nirvana concert. 
Uh, or possibly is also a home improvement commemorative doll of Al Borland. <laughs> yeah. So you have super cool Mr. Wood, and Slappy's just off to the side, not doing anything this whole book. Just, I, I, I guess Slappy's getting murdered a couple times? Yeah, or was that part of the up. prank? That was all part of the prank, him picking on Slappy. Yeah, you, the, mm. they keep, the girls keep finding the dolls erotically strangling each other <laughs> like that's what was going on like you just walk in and find that happening and i was like what is their plan here because they're made of wood this is a question for most of the dummies is what is mr wood's game plan right so that, i guess that ties into the them finding this magic spell that was in his pocket right well there's no explanation she just looks down and she goes oh cool a piece of paper <laughs> I'll read it out loud, and nothing bad will happen. The magic was curiosity. Yeah. <laughs> that was the real magic but she, all along. But she reads the, the curse out loud, and then puts it back in his pocket, and is like, okay, time to go, you know, do my boring things that I've been doing for two thirds <laughs> of the book. <laughs> and, then, and then he starts acting a fool. But what does he even do? He mostly just, like, moves a little bit? He, he tells really bad insults to people. His insults are just straight up like, you're fat. And like that's it. <laughs> no, I actually really enjoyed that because it just felt actually cruel and mean for once. So there was a possessed dummy just insulting people. Hey, you got yellow teeth. Ah. Yeah. yeah. Was that, what is that from? Your, your bad breath? That's all he says. Like, what? Although he does. Yo, I would be offended if somebody said that shit to me. I don't know about you, Paul. I would, I'd too. i dukes up. I would put that dummy up. He got that. He got that teacher pretty good, though. He got that teacher really good right before he exorcist slashed. Uh, he exorcist also carried everybody yeah, at the so same time. The, the yeah. scene of they're at the school talent show, which has two ventriloquist acts. My oh my, can you believe seeing two ventriloquist acts in one talent sister show? Against sister. sister against sister. My the pressure was was the the one was a rapping act, wasn't it? Uh-huh. Yeah, they kept mentioning the rap act, and I so desperately wanted to hear <laughs> that. Rap. It, in my brain, it was the Teen Witch rap, without a doubt. <laughs> did, did anyone did anyone watch the episode by chance? No, I did no. not. Did anyone, did anyone consult it? Damn, I almost did. Well, if you did. And there is a rapping scene. Please, Please let it. us know. Yeah, you know, <laughs> I, as I read this, I was like, this one, like when I was reading the end portion, when he comes to life and he's running away and, and they're fighting with him and stuff, I was like, this one has to be great for the television show. I have to oh, see yeah, what happened. Because as far as special effects go, you just need an actual ventriloquist dummy. And it basically works. Like, yeah. Yeah. you just need to show them darting around corners, which is just like a head, just someone just holding the dummy and moving it around the corner as they walk by. Like, you're good. Super, super genuinely scary. By the way, like, we're not really skipping over anything. This book has, like, just nothing really happening for large part of the middle. Most of it is just a dummy moves. Yep. <laughs> it's, a, it's a dummy moves, and Chris, the one sister, is really bad at taking constructive criticism. <laughs> the horror of personal growth. Yeah, a lot of those like, oh, God, my performance didn't go over well. Again, this is an inspirational movie about being a ventriloquist. Like, the, and the, sec, and the, the second act climax would be the talent show when, oops, like you said before, my dummy – just his head came off and started spurting green goo over everyone. Uh-huh. That smelled like poop, apparently. Like, so it's poop, right? Like, there's no way. <laughs> a, 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 when you guys, when I first read it, 
I read it as like it's just bubbling up like one of those kind of lame science fiction science projects you do where you put like a bacon yeah, soda the volcano, and, and right? vinegar. And I was like, okay, so it's probably bubbling over our arm. It's probably a little gross. But then I realized the entire stadium like is reacting to it and running. Yeah, it's like it smells like rotten eggs and uh-huh. milk. So then I started wondering, she is said, it she, Like there's there's a moment of good of good like action description in there where she puts her hand over it and it's coming out in such a torrent that it pushes her hand away. Yeah, so, so it's, it's, it's a coming fire out ex- hose. Yeah, it's coming out exorcist speed, without a doubt. I guess yeah. you don't question an exorcist. Like, I, I had a lot of questions about, like, does that mean the green goo was inside Mr. Wood this whole time? <laughs> uh, is, is he generating it, or are these the powers he was talking about over and over yeah. again? Mr. Like Wood psychos. likes to talk about his powers, which might not exist. Yeah, he says, I have powers. <laughs> <laughs> and yet he never uses them. <laughs> he may actually be a slave. Well, I mean, he does. Let, let's let's. I just want to point out here. He does. He does refer to the girls as his slaves, <laughs> and he does slap them. Yeah. So this book does have that does feature a slapping of slaves. It's a lot of fetishism. Point. No. Yeah. Is it weird that I kind of really liked Mr. Wood and that he just referred to everyone as slaves? <laughs> yeah. He said talked a lot about like punishment and like and. uh Promise cruelty to a lot of people, though. I mean, he hurt a dog, and you do not you do not hurt dogs. You do not hurt dogs. I don't like it. Yeah. Hey, he oh, choked. Yeah, that, he, that was that was upsetting. I got a little scared. Hey, but that dog was named Barky, and if you want your dog to be a piece of shit, name it Barky. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The long list of R.L. Stein not being to name dogs. a dog, a yeah. annoying dog. Oh gosh. Uh, no, yeah. I mean that that. Uh, but but this scene this scene is like a pretty awesome. Goosebump scene. Do you mean, right? you mean which, when Mr. which one? Wood is, is, the, is the auditorium? Fighting. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. with yeah. the vomit and stuff. I mean, that, when if you're a kid reading Goosebumps, like this is the type of shit you want to come across. The, right? the last third of the book is actually pretty good Goosebumps stuff. Yeah, I thought I thought so. I thought the 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 actual action when it took place was good. Yeah, I, th- I think that's what I would remember. Probably without even remember any details of it too is. This is the problem that affects a lot of Goosebumps books is it feels like Arl Stein never wants to pull the trigger on the fun stuff until the last chapter. Like, he, wants to, he wants to hold his cum in for slapping. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, God, well done. Uh, <laughs> show's over, folks. Show's over. Just end right. We'll just end right. We'll just end right there. No, uh, like he always wants – this, at least this one, at least the last third, yes, is an actual dummy is yelling at these girls, calling them slaves – Trying to fight them, and then continually, <laughs> he's, like a, he's like a he's like a drunk grandpa. <laughs> yeah. <That's... laughs> yeah, I wrote down a couple of his quotes. His literal quotes were, "You can't kill me. I have powers," which he says several times. And his powers seem to be near immortality, biting, and complaining. Uh, and then he also warns them a lot. He keeps saying, "I'm warning you. I'm warning you." Yeah, so he doesn't have much of a threat. It's still terrifying. I thought it was interesting that the entire, like, all the horror scenes, the parents are there. This is the first time the parents haven't, like, left. They, well, there's one scene where they go on a trip or, like, a, a, a an errand. Yeah. To excuse and the dad them. And the dad leaves for a little bit for some reason. Yeah, but then most of the battle with Mr. Wood is still just, like, them upstairs going, like, Hey, you kids, why are you wrestling with that, why are you wrestling with that dummy who's not moving? Yeah. And they're going, well, the dummy's alive. No, you stop it. And then they go back to bed, and he immediately starts trying to enslave them again. Yeah, I, I kept thinking uh-huh. about, like, honestly, because this is always the terror, right, as a kid. is like your parents aren't paying attention to you, and, and you're all alone even though they're right there. It's like, what could the girls have done to get the parents to understand that this dummy was real? 
Hmm. I, I don't. I don't. You know, this was a, one of those moments where the parents, of course, there was a classic moment when she's reading the Stephen King book and she doesn't want to hear about it. Oh, okay. You know that, like that happens as it always. Ha- it has to happen. Okay. But and is that is that an R.L. Stein diss to himself? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> is he like, guys? Stephen King is so important. Parents don't want to be bothered with goosebumps activities. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's a matter also of. Like, I just need to find some way to not have – I think it's an issue of writers. Like, these parents are always an issue for him because these kids can't be living alone because they're kids. Right. And any uh-huh. parent, any dad would go up to Slappy or Mr. Wood and just go, okay, I'm going to run him over with my car. Problem solved. Like, that's just the instant fix because right. I, I, I don't know how you guys feel about it. I don't know how strong Mr. Wood or Slappy are. They seem to have, like, superhuman strength sometimes. Especially well, she does say dog. she does say he was surprisingly powerful, but she was a twelve-year-old girl, so I don't know. I mean, <laughs> well, he's probably powerful like Chucky's powerful because power. Chucky's got like uh, magic strength. He's right? got good strength. He's well, got yeah, yeah. He's got killer strength no, the, inside the, of him. Yeah, he mil- he, I mean, he murders a couple guys, the, <laughs> like big guys. Yeah, no, yeah the <laughs> physics of a, a living doll, every monster always eludes me. I get the idea of like it's animated and sentient; it can cut out your little like you know legs if you're not paying attention, or it yeah. gets a whole uh-huh. lot of you. But for it to have Inhuman strength. I guess if like a demon's possessing it, I guess it's like the physics of them moving the arms and legs stronger than you. You know what I mean? Like you start to get into physics ideas. Because at one point she falls down the stairs wrestling with the dummy. And yep. like, what did he do to you? Like you had him in your hand. <laughs> Does did he, he weigh twenty thousand pounds? Because I guess like if he's super heavy, if he move, I got a lot into the physics of it. Like if he's shifting his weight. Like I guess he could throw you around, but I, yeah. Maybe it's like a maybe it's like a tai chi thing. Like he's just really good at small movements that generate a lot of force. <laughs> yeah. Using the weight against. Them. This is this is yeah. my this is my pitch because I always feel oh. bothered by ah. There's an ambulance in the background coming to get us because we're too scared. Uh, <laughs> is like I'm always bothered by the plot of whenever there's like a parent who like won't listen. You always just want to scream as a kid or a viewer or anything like just tell him, just tell him, just scream. I don't care if I'm grounded. There's a this dummy's real. Look. What could what point do you think would get Mr. Wood to reveal himself to the parents? My theory, and I thought this was maybe worth it just to solve the problem, was you ask your parents to calmly sit down on the bed, you sit Mr. Wood down on the bed next to them, and then give Mr. Wood like a knife or a gun. Like you're baiting him to attack the parents. You have to basically like <laughs> Now sacrifice. Mr. Wood's gonna Mr. Wood's gonna he's gonna wait it out, dude. He's too smart, man. You think? You think he would just go for smart. like never attacking the parents? Yeah, I think he knows. I think he would realize that it's more torture not to kill your parents when he makes it so easy. So he'd be torturing the kids <laughs> by not killing his parents. Well, that was the other thing. Is like the, the, the Again, the game plan of Mr. Wood, again, if he's a demon, he probably just wants to murder. And But he seemed to be more about not killing the kids. Again, sorry, a lot of ambulances in the background. Uh, yeah, did a train derail near you? Because that's what it sounded like when it happened near me. Well, you know, it's Glendale. It's a pretty rough neighborhood. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So... The game plan of Mr. Wood is to enslave the girls, not kill them, it seems like. Yeah. You know, it doesn't seem like he ever wants to kill them. Uh, he wants to hit them. Yeah, what do you think his, what do you think his game plan is Exactly. Like, like this, end game. So let's say they uh, yield. Because he keeps right. saying, like, if you don't listen to me, I'm going to hurt the ones you love, including your dog, which I, actually moves me emotionally. But then say, I'm going to go hurt your dad. Go! Go to my dad. My dad will kick your ass. Like, fine. Yeah. But even if even if you yield as a, as a kid, like, is he going to start building just a slave empire across the town? He might be the Egyptian god. 
Because that's kind of fascinating. I wish they'd kind of just played out and be like, yes, Mr. Wood, what would you like us to do? And you're like, uh... Go steal all the mail or whatever. Like what is like what is doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like what's the extent of uh, Slappy's or Mister Wood's terror here? You know what? The, what is he capable of? I guess he's capable of trying to strangle a dog, which is pretty brutal. Honestly, probably one of the darker things in yeah. the book series. Yeah, it kind of it was upsetting, and uh, I, I mean Chucky. At least he wants to put his soul inside another human being, right? Right, he wants yeah. to get out of the I, I, body he's captured in. So maybe, maybe that exists in this world, and it's too dark of a subject to to breach for. Well, a I mean, I can get but. into it. I can get into it now. Uh, I did a little digging because I was trying to remember this as well. I remembered maybe from the TV show that there was a clear moving either from one of the. I don't remember which uh, Night of Living Dummy book it is, but I remember from the TV show. And I thought it might come up with the books was there was a clear idea if you destroy one of the dummies. That you see, like a green essence move into the next dummy, implying that there's like a possessed ghost right. that will just keep finding new bodies to inhabit. So, Ultron, Ultron. It's basically Avengers Ultron. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, so I was digging in a little bit into it, and according to the backstory, I think there's been a little bit of retconning going on. Is that you find out in later books? So this is spoiling a little bit of stuff. I think I think we're okay to handle spoilers, right, for future Night of the Living Dummies. Okay. Is that? Uh, Slappy and Mr. Wood are actually brothers. What? They are brother what? dummies, even though they came what? from completely different places. Uh, that Mr. You find out that Slappy and Mr. Wood, I think he mentions it a little bit before he dies, like there's some sort of curse or a, a mage or something. Yeah, he says he was there's a sorcerer. ancient sorcerer's yeah. curse. Ancient sorcerer's curse. Mm-hmm. But they are both carved uh, by an ancient sorcerer out of the same coffin wood. So, bro- so Slappy oh and Mr. Wood are because they're from the same coffin. Wood are brothers. Ew, so you're saying they touched a thing that touched a dead body? That's nasty. <laughs> Gross. So, but there's like this whole retcon stuff of, and I'll bring this up now because I am super on board. Is there has been a lot of like retconning and establishing of the backstory of Slappy and the Dummy over the last couple years, and that there is actually a ongoing series now called uh, Goosebumps Horrorland, where it's like an ongoing story that combines all of the Goosebumps franchises. Oh, what? Maybe, so it's like Dark Tower. Yes, kind of. Kind of like Dark Tower. <laughs> Except so, like, Horrorland is like the main setting, but like Slappy's there, and like uh, the Green Goo are there. So like somehow someone, someone, probably not R.L. Stein, maybe it's R.L. Stein, is just connecting the dots and having like Slappy's talking to them, and then the giant bug monster from Panic Street is coming down the... like. It's a weird thing. So I think that's where they're trying to cover now, like, weaving together the intricate plots of Slappy and his brother. Is is that what the movie's going to be that's coming out? No. Uh, the movie plot, th- there is a still online, you can see, of Slappy, because I believe he is the main villain from the movie. Oh, that's awesome. Wait, I, wait, you got to share that. Because uh, I actually like the logline for Goosebumps, the movie, uh, if I remember right, it is that you're following essentially a character that is R.L. Stein. I don't know if he actually is playing R.L. Stein. He is. Jack Black's playing R.L. Stein, who's like a young adult horror writer, and that all of his visions come true. Well, I happen to have a, a bit of an exclusive. Someone I know has seen the Goosebumps movie. What? You haven't told me about what? this at all. Oh, what? Yeah. What? Oh, well, I, I, I've debated about whether You're I still should... getting the fan club? Is I, that how you know? I'm still getting the fan club. That's how I got it. Uh, and she... <laughs> Goosebumps movie. Uh, 
I don't have a lot of the details, but I can tell you the premise of the film is, in fact, R.L. Stein is the R.L. Stein we all grew up with, the actual yes. horror book writer played by Jack Black. And he's a recluse and doesn't interact with his fans in public very often because all it turns out that all of the stories he writes come true. And uh, whenever he opens up the original manuscripts that he wrote – they come out and are alive and are real things, and it's up to him to kind of imprison them like a Van Helsing character. Which is actually kind of fun. Which is actually kind of a fun setup for it. I'm kind of on yeah, board. Actually, yeah, I, I, would, I, would, I would see that. He might be good at capturing them and putting them into the books, but books aren't, as we're finding out, aren't really great. <laughs> actually, that would be, this movie would become my instant favorite movie, is if there's this whole weird thing, like, the only way to defeat... Uh, the bad guys is to use cliffhanger. I mean, like, there's this whole like, <laughs> oh, the bad guys' main weakness is they can't help but let you think things are going to happen, but they don't actually happen. We got to use that against them. Like they're just like something that was just super aware of the books and how a horror book works. It would actually make him a, kind of a tragic character if he's like, yeah, I'm not even a good writer, but I have to write these stories <laughs> to try to trap these monsters. <laughs> I'm Thank terrible. God somebody decided to publish them. Now I can eat. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll have to go see the movie. We have to go see yeah. it. And, and, oh, for sure. It. I think we're going to have to all get together and go see that movie. Yeah, we'll, we'll, oh, we'll meet yeah. at Four I Corners. I like that idea. I kind of just want the movie to be uh, kind of like New Nightmare where R.L. Stein goes on a talk show and then like Curly comes out and ah. he's like, I'm real. And then he's like, <laughs> by the way, R.L., we're old friends. I love you. I'm just a guy in a suit. And then he's driving on his way home, and Curly's alive. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm super on board. Uh, so for Slappy, who is kind of the main villain of, of this and everything, uh, you find out, like, so again, Slappy – here's, here's the theory. I want to hear what you guys think. Was Slappy taken over and possessed by Mr. Wood after he's defeated, or is Slappy alive the whole time? I <sighs> I got the sense that it was the inca- it was like Evil Dead, where they read the they read the incantation and all the dummies that were in the room came to life. Yeah, because yeah, because yeah, my theory was the the first time they tried to defeat Mr. Wood, a sound but stupid plan because they don't ever think about just like smashing him with a hammer, is they bury him in a locker chest in the dirt and the and the neighbor's yard is under construction. Yeah, right. and then he yells, "I have plans." There's a tiny beat where like they think they hear something in the bushes. But it's like, oh, it's probably a raccoon. I think that's Slappy, right? Like, I think that's Slappy who dug Baited him up. Bushes. Yeah. Oh, maybe you're right. I thought it, maybe it was the dog that did it, but you might be right. I think it might be Slappy. My, th- my theory is Slappy was alive the whole time, dug him up, even though he doesn't seem to want Mr. Wood around, and then dug Mr. Wood free because either one of two things happened. They buried Mr. Wood, and Slappy dug him up later because they weren't suspecting him. Or Mr. Wood actually has teleporting powers where he phased... From the backyard <laughs> into their kitchen, just covered in dirt, to fight them for the final battle. Maybe he does have powers. Yeah, he, he just you know what he didn't want to. He was saying he had them, but he didn't want to show off though. Yeah, puppet powers. Puppet. <laughs> <laughs> the way the way I viewed Mister Wood's powers, he was basically like a kid with a stink bomb who was like power tripping like crazy. <laughs> but but really, all he could do was just be really annoying. He was he was jam. He was jammed from Parks and Rec. <laughs> He's Councilman yeah. Jam, who can summon jam. poop bile, and that's about it. Uh, yeah, I'd like to think that that Slappy was always alive at the same time and just been playing. Again, great beat from uh, Let's Get Invisible, like just the subtle mirror person who didn't want to reveal that they uh, mm-hmm. infiltrated the world. And, right. But now Slappy mm-hmm. is the bad guy for future books. 
Well, if he's alive the whole time, then he's laying in the dumpster. Somebody didn't throw him there because he can't throw a magic puppet away. <laughs> they just show up again. Yeah, exactly. Or- he murdered somebody. He murdered somebody and left himself there to be found. Well, yeah, dude, what I was going to say is this is – okay, we've been talking about which endings are the scariest. And one of them, the plant dad, kind of scary because it was, like, creepy. And we were like, okay, plant dad potentially being plant stuck dad in the backyard. Plant dad is yeah, dad's living plant stuck in the grass. That- Kind of creepy. Killing a man with a camera that kills people. Also scary. Threat murder, murder. Always scary. Uh, then they also directly <laughs> murder a man in... They also directly murdered a man in the mummy one, too. Kid murder scary. <laughs> but I think this one was the scariest because the cliffhanger left off with like the puppet being like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fuck you guys up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or they became best friends. Well, didn't he call them slaves? Didn't Slappy call them slaves, yeah, too? We, sh- we should uh-huh. imply... This will be very important. Whenever we get to Night of the Living Dummy 2... If Slappy does not reference the other kids, As he slaves. murdered them. <laughs> <laughs> like, if we don't hear about them, if he doesn't say, like, I left these kids in the dust, they are dead and buried in that construction area. By the way, like, the most – probably one of the most frustrating cliffhangers is the, the – they're finally battling Mr. Wood. They're like, he's chasing all over the dirt. Again, don't know what his game plan is, where he's going. Uh-huh. He seems to want to stay at the house to murder them. He seems very obs- obsessed with these people. He can go anywhere. Uh they chase him through the construction yard and like they have him by the sh- hand shoulders and are mm-hmm. going to put him underneath the moving steamroller. Yeah. I am on the edge of my seat. I can't wait to uh-huh. see what's going to happen next. And then, Oh no, the dog got out. The dog's going to get hit by a steamroller. Like the yeah. worst cliffhanger. <laughs> that was bad. That was yeah. real bad. And like, and then they, and then they push the dog out of the way and then the guy just happens to get run over. Yeah, they, they just <laughs> go right back to what they were doing. It's such a weird <laughs> beat. It didn't make any sense whatsoever. To, to oh, the, the, the best part too is when the he gets run over and then the guy gets off the thing. He's like, "Holy shit! I killed a kid!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's saw a little thing run beneath our steamroller. Yeah, the, the two most intense part of the book were at the beginning when they thought they found a dead kid in the dumpster, and at the end <laughs> when the steamroller operator thought he had killed a kid. And it lingers on that moment. It, it lingers because they're like, "No, it's just our dummy." He's like, "You sure it wasn't a kid? Did I kill a kid?" <laughs> you gotta tell me, did I kill a you know kid? What it feels like it's <laughs> truly heartbreaking. I, my heart went out to that guy. Also, two steamrollers on one house construction job seems like a pretty ridiculous construction project. It was really <laughs> uneven land. Really uneven land. <laughs> really uneven. So that's the end of Mister Wood, who I think does not show up for future installments of Goosebumps. I could be Hold wrong. On. Also, before we. He blew up in a mushroom cloud of stink of stink stuff. <laughs> That's right. That's right. It would have been terrible. He is a stink. He's a stink bug. Yeah. He's a stink bug. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I don't know if he shows up later. I, I, I kind of feel like he does come back. I'm kind of feeling like Mr. Wood's coming back. Yeah, so you got to look this way. Either Mr. Wood is, you know, an essence, and yeah. he is now Slappy. Like, Slappy is the same. Uh, I think it depends on if we have to see if there's a tonal shift in Slappy's attitude as he's Slappy. So he's you know essentially lives again, or Mr. Wood is dead, and Slappy is just like the other one. Yeah, right. It's, it's like the, those characters from Lost that are just eternal spirits. But it's so strange that Slappy, who became an iconic face of Goosebumps, is not really present. It would be like the first Halloween movie, and if Michael Myers wasn't in the entire movie, there's another serial killer, and then at the end, the serial killer is like. I got away. And then Michael Myers said, no, you didn't. And he stabbed him. He said, hi, everybody. I'm Michael Myers. I'm taking over from this <laughs> Now series. you're scared of me. Well, it's funny <laughs> you should say that because the first Jason movie, Jason was not in it. 
What? It was actually a spoiler alert, 30 year old movie. Oh, yeah. But it was actually oh, Jason's right. mother who was the murderer in the first Jason movie. Oh, that's, that's right. right. But everyone that's remembers his, him as the big bad guy because in the next movie, it turns out that the dead son that she was avenging actually was alive and was a supernatural monster man. So someone – that's yeah. like yeah. someone taking over the next one and going, it would be better if it was the actual guy. Yes. Like, we, need, we need a giant uh, – That movie – that movie's awesome. It might be the best Jason movie in my opinion because – The first one? The second. Oh, the second one. Okay. Well, first one because Kevin Bacon's butt. You can see it. <laughs> Hell yeah. But, yeah. Kevin Bacon and uh, it gets arrowed. He gets he's he's doing it. He's having some teenage camp sex, uh, and uh, the the second one is great uh, because it's a great movie, awesome bad guy. But you don't. There's a kid in a wheelchair. There's a kid in a wheelchair. You don't think that guy's gonna die? Why don't you watch the movie? Find out what happens. <laughs> <laughs> I've never. Out, I've never been more He probably won't die. Movie. He's a nice guy. He's in a chair. Why don't you watch that movie? Watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been more intrigued think, to watch that movie. I think Dom wants us to watch that movie. I kind of want to it's, now. It's spooky. <laughs> fair warning. I, I, I will have to say, though, um, of all the, the villains in, in this book, I guess there's only two, but of the villain that's in this book, his lines when he gets possessed are priceless. Dude, dude, Aaron... I'm not a dream. I'm a nightmare. Was <laughs> so clutch. I was like, I'm, I'm on board with Mr. Wood now. Yeah. I love Mr. Wood's rant the first time he becomes possessed. He goes, you're a jerk, he said in a low, throaty growl. You're a stupid jerk. Stupid moron. Get lost. Get lost, stupid jerk, he rasped. My question, is Mr. Wood a parrot? Because this is how a parrot would sound after a polite old person yelled at it too much. Oh my god, it could be the that ghost wasn't of a parrot, parrot, Aaron. That was the real Mister Wood. <laughs> like if you if you would come across a parrot when you when one day when you do and you will come across a parrot who says that, that's what that is. <laughs> that's what I also loved a line that he had towards the end. Uh, where am I the only one who found the imagery of a dummy shouting, this is my house now, and then sucker punching a little girl in the stomach. Yeah, he's taking over that house. His game plan seems to be just to own it. (laughs) He's just an abusive husband. I would think that ideally Mr. Wood sounds entertaining enough that I would not mind if I was, like, you know, uh, strong enough to fight off Mr. Wood. Just, like, put him, like, halfway into some concrete. It just happens like a nice home fixture. Like he's he's frozen <laughs> solid. He can't get free. He'll never be able to strike at you because his hands and feet are bound in cement. And he's just like a fun little like like he's like a Billy Bass. He's a Billy Bassmouth fish. They're just like <laughs> yeah. on the side like, hey, what's going on? You guys are all pieces of shit. Just like, oh, that's Mr. Wood. He's a possessed doll. <laughs> it's a uh, motion sensor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And then occasionally it'll just go, a kid? I killed a kid? That would be a fun thing to bring out and just throw things at all night. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. I think a dummy, once you're, once you're beyond the point of like, okay, he is made of 20 pounds of wood. I got this. Yeah. They're not that big of an issue. You just got to get him oh. in a spot. You're fine. No, you break you bring him out and you go, Hey look, this guy's gonna say he's got powers a lot. Don't he has none. He's got no powers. Don't worry about it. We're gonna be fine. Just listen to what he says and have a good time. Yeah, for anything that Just ever... don't try to slap him with your dick if he does bite. <laughs> <laughs> he's a yeah, he, biter. Oh yeah, he bit a lot. This also reminded me of uh, uh this must have just been burned into my brain. There's a few like phrases from Goosebumps that are just kind of burned into my childhood brain. And one of them is that anytime they fight one of these dummies and it falls to the ground. It lets out a painful moan. 
Like, yeah. like I've re- I think I think Arl Stein just likes to write that when something gets hurt. It's like it uh, it yep. lets out a guttural groan. So theoretically, it's horrifying, kind of weird. These dummies can feel pain. Oh yeah, it's and he, he has some pretty interesting descriptions for how they hit people too. Instead of saying he punched her in the stomach, I think he says that he shoved a wooden fist into her gut. He shoved it in there. Were you guys ever rooting for Mr. Wood, speaking of? Like, sometimes it's kind of just like, go, Mr. Wood, go! (laughs) The world's against you. If there was a scene where they come upstairs and Mr. Wood's smoking a cigarette and doing some (laughs) pull-ups, I would want to see. If that happened, I would root for Mr. Wood more. Just like straight out of American Beauty. This would be yeah, like, I bet you he's got like Harvey Keitel, like old man strength kind of body. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Harvey Keitel. And he cries real weird. You guys ever see Harvey Keitel cry yeah. in a movie? Yeah, it's real weird. <laughs> <laughs> like, it sounds like that. It sounds like someone's letting air out of a balloon. <laughs> I think my pitch, the only way to make this book better, is uh, Mr. Wood becomes sentient way early on. By uh-huh. uh, way before he, they read the incantation, like at least ten chapters earlier, and it's just Mister Wood winning. I would love to see where that goes. <laughs> like he conquers the two girls, and he dog does not get hurt. Dogs never get hurt in my stories. <laughs> but girls, okay, dog never. But he does some sort of like, yeah, I'm I'm gonna kill you, or I'll uh, hurt your family, and you guys have to listen to what I say. And then you slowly watch. Mr. Wood assemble a crazy pyramid of power of human <laughs> slaves all being run by a puppet mastermind who just hangs out at home, I guess. I guess Mr. Wood would just hang out at He's home. He's like Kingpin. Like, if for, his, yeah, for his plan to work, either someone has to carry him on his shoulders like Master Blaster uh-huh. or he has to stay at home and then his slaves have to just go out and do his bidding and then come back home and be like, do you guys, do you guys burn some houses down? Yes, we did, Mr. Wood. Good. Uh, let me see your hands. Let me see your hands. Ash on your hands. I, see. I can't do much else because I'm just a dummy and I don't move that fast. Good. You better have done it or I'll make it stink real bad. <laughs> I'm going to blow all over you. Oh, God. Just wait. Oh, God. Just wait till he runs out of barf. Oh, God. Just... It's magic barf. It never runs out. Uh... Oh, shit. Do you guys have any improvements or uh, notes you would give to the book? Uh, I think I'm with you. I would have liked to have seen him uh, control the, the sister that, that, she, that he belonged to. Like, if he, had, like, like you said, became alive and sentient earlier, and then maybe, like, fucked with her, and her, like, thing was trying to find a way to, like, tell her sister or something like that, you know? Yeah. Because that then it would be there, like the puppet becomes the puppet master, and it's a role reversal, and you're like, exactly. Why is sister yeah, and then it becomes that great Batman villain of Scarface and the I think the puppet master is what he's called. Yeah, he's, like the puppet and the. You guys know that Batman villain? There's, it's kind of an obscure one. Yeah. But, like, a guy who has a puppet, and he seems to be insane, but you find out the puppet actually might be possessed and real, and yeah. it's kind of the craziest thing in Batman That's in some ways. awesome. He's a little gangster, right? Yeah, it's like a little, it's like a little, Al, Capone, it's like a little Al Capone gangster whose puppet master is just, or his assistant, his butler, who should be the normal human, is just, like, this, like, meek little guy who should be from, like, a Christopher Guest movie, yeah. and you think, like, oh, he must be the actual insane person. But then, like, you always do the great twist of, like, you know, the puppet gets th- tossed off his hand. You think the puppet master's defeated, and the puppet stands up and starts talking to himself. So there's, like, dark occult stuff happening with that part of Batman. That's cool. Yeah. I, I think uh, this book could probably stand to add a few more characters who bad things happen to. <laughs> yeah. Either, like, uh-huh. 
Either like they like you know, Co- like Cody Wood. Matthews, he could have taken some shit. Like Agent Cody Banks. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> Agent Cody Banks and Hillary and Hillary Duff. <laughs> <laughs> like I think Frankie Muniz has a really great face for bad things to happen. Oh, so to. <laughs> what you're saying is like they're having their adventure. The parents are asleep. And Frankie Munez knocks on the door. He's like, hi, everybody. I'm Frankie Munez. You might know me from Malcolm in the Middle. I also own, uh, supposedly own a bunch of uh, parking garages around all the airports of the country. That's the current urban legend uh, about what I've been doing with my money, if you've never heard. And then out of nowhere, a dummy comes and bites his face. It just bites Frankie Munez. <laughs> no, he, he comes in the window, Sam style, like on Clarissa. Uh-huh. He's like, hey, girls, what's going on? Puppets, cool, I love them. He's like playing with them. And he's like, all right, see you later. The next day, car accident. <laughs> completely, completely unrelated, but it's just the scary safety. It's scary of, that you can die. Well, you don't time. know that when it, when it's whenever it's brought up, Mister Wood laughs. <laughs> that's, genuinely, that's genuinely terrified. And he just goes, now that's a joke. <laughs> Click in her ticket. He just yells out loud. What does that even mean? <laughs> yeah, he's like telling Chris to write that into the act. Much write that into the act. Yeah, he's, it's like oh, man. I don't, I don't like this guy. He's creepy, man. Ugh. It's like the movie Night Crawler. I like he's to imagine that the uh, the the rap was really filthy, <laughs> but everybody was still really into it. Like the principal was like, "Yeah, shit, yeah." It was like DMX dirty. Yeah, yeah. I wrote that down. It's like, do you think it's like old school Run DMC or NWA Wu Tang? Like, what kind of battle? <laughs> I guess Wu Tang would actually be accurate if this was what written in you know nineteen ninety what? Going to guess five? I don't know. I feel like um, it says... 1993. 1993. I think it's pre-Wu-Tang, right? Uh, so the top... Let's just, yeah, let's just so. assume this is how R.L. Stein writes, right? Like, if he was going to ever do this. Top hip-hop charts... Uh, went straight to Billboard. Uh, 92. They were 92. They began. But 93 was the release of Protect Your Neck, which is a, is a song that these puppets would probably understand relate to, and relate to like yeah i gotta protect i gotta protect my neck, my neck. they tried to rip it off earlier <laughs> <laughs> gotta protect that joint yeah this is the time where not i think let's that arl stein preparing for this scene that he was writing listened to a little bit of hip-hop probably decided not to write the lyrics got scared got scared <laughs> but he would have listened to a little bit of like naughty by nature a little bit of dre <laughs> maybe, some, maybe some maybe some daylight soul when he's chilling out <laughs> yeah a little bit of daylight soul and like huh okay and then he never wrote any scenes from it but got a secret appreciation for 90s hip-hop. But he just imagined <laughs> the dummy singing nothing but a G-thang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that hidden scene is definitely in his manuscript. And he does not... He, that's when he can't let out because the world would, would see it because it would become real, like in the movie. Here's the shit Scholastic wouldn't touch. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say there was a point in this book where everybody was so sarcastic all the time and constantly researching and trying out jokes? I thought – I couldn't remember exactly how it went. I thought everybody was going to be possessed by a quipster dummy. Even the mom <laughs> at the very beginning has like some really sick burns. Like, uh-huh. when, like when are we going to get our own rooms, mom? And she replies – Mm, on the 12th of never. <laughs> Dude, I wrote that one down because I was like, I haven't heard that adult insult since I was like eight. And that was a callback. I, I also was, wrote that awesome. down to use in my real life. <laughs> <laughs> on the 12th of never. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I would like to hope that this would be my like fan fan plot would be, uh, if you ever going to get into the history of Slappy, that uh, Magic Sorcerer was having trouble coming up with some jokes and entertain himself because it's the dark ages, assumably, and all you can do is throw mud at each other and and, and curse people. So mm-hmm. <laughs> he makes an evil dummy to tell him jokes 
which becomes, I guess, the spirit of Mr. Wood or Slappy. Uh, and then the dummy learns that pain equals comedy. Like, <laughs> like he becomes kind of like the Jeff Ross of, of uh, Slappy Dummy. He's like, oh, it's fun to insult people and hurt them. The Comedy Central roast hack, and then that evolved over the, the centuries into becoming just, oh, I should murder and enslave people. Calling people slaves is really funny. <laughs> that was really edgy around 3000 BC. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's all I got. Do you guys have any other insights and, and gems of nuggets? Gems? Wow, gems of knowledge. Gems of nuggets. I got. I got some gems of nuggets. <laughs> I love that expression. We got to figure out what it means. <laughs> <laughs> well, can't edit that now. <laughs> Uh, and if not, I think we. Sh- I think. We sh- I think. I think we can wrap this. Well, oh, you know what? I did want to question you guys on one thing. Sure. So a lot of a lot of the times when we read these, we try to figure out um, what the subconscious th- uh, story R.L. Stein was trying to tell us about these kids' lives was. Like, lo- like the Let's Get Invisible one was them discovering masturbation. Right. What was What was this one? Fuck. Was there something, or was this was this just follow a your dreams? tale of horror? You're- I think this was a warning on the evils of capitalism. Because all the oh. girls want to do is make money off of the dummies. As soon as they get it, they're like, I'm going to make so much money. And the first three quarters of the book is them planning different and bigger and bigger uh, venues that they that they try to you just, Holy shit, you're right. You just blew it wide open. <laughs> Dude, you're right. <laughs> you're right. Because, because it's her first job. She's making money. And then she becomes the slave to the dollar, like he says at the end. <laughs> oh, my God. You're so right. And when the father has the issue of his two annoying daughters complaining about who gets to use the dummy, he goes out and buys another one. Money. Try- he tries to solve his problem with money. Money. He people into his family. Oh, it's a crime. Uh, I, think Aaron, I think Aaron just nailed it. I will share. Uh, this was a theory being dissected on the Goosebuds subreddit. Thank you, by the way, to everyone who participates there. Uh, on the Night of Living Dummy pre-discussion, uh, one of our listeners, uh, Titsnicker, showing you where his uh, – giving a preview of what his type of discussion is going to be about uh, by his username, dissected the same idea about the whole the fact that there's like a, a theme of sexual exploration and that sort of thing. Uh, mm-hmm. So this is what he says. So in this book, we got twin sisters Lindy, who finds herself slappy, aka slapping the snatch, and we got sister number two, <laughs> oh Chris, who gets jealous of her sister's newfound masturbation oh discovery. So Chris starts playing with Mister Wood. I wonder what that could imply. <laughs> oh, shit. And then the rush of hormones causes the sisters to begin going through some teenage mood swings. Lindy starts fucking with Chris's shit, and Chris ends up like ejaculating on some students and a teacher oh my God, he's right. and gets her ass suspended. Holy the sisters shit. decide to work together to sort out their gathering sexual frustration and curiosity. They dig together all night long and jerk off the dog or some shit. And the story <laughs> oh ends with a couple God. of Cleveland steamers. He kind of lost me there at the end. But the true, <laughs> he ends with the true message of the book is what Mr. Wood kept reminding them. You are now slaves to masturbation. Dude. Oh my I, god! That actually is a legit, uh, especially since so much of the book is them waking up like hot and muggy and then staring at like their doll in the corner. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know yeah. what too is oh funny is R.L. Stein loves that imagery of a of a window at night blowing with the with the oh, yeah. blinds blowing and stuff like that and the and the curtains blowing. He, I think that's been in every book, right? You want to know why? Why? Because that's what is. The camera goes to when people are having sex on TV, dude. 
<laughs> she goes over to the window blowing, and he's thinking of sex this whole time. Guys. Oh, shit. I, I just assumed it was yeah. because whenever he was drawing a blank on what to write about, he would just turn to his immediate right, and there would be a window that's blowing. <laughs> and he was like, aha! He's like, ooh, that scares me every time. <laughs> I forget it's there. Yeah, I think everyone, we weren't all crazy. Everyone had similar ideas about how this, there's a weird metaphor to what these girls are experiencing and trying to grew up I saw a few other people in the subreddit and on Twitter comment about it like basically this this book is about two girls who either are trying to grow sexually or in creatively and a angry old white man is trying just trying to, to beat is trying to hold them down literally and beat them beat them into like <laughs> Following their from not following their dreams. Yeah, pretty yeah. messed up. I like I like that, but I really like Aaron's. Money. Aaron's Aaron's is money. the actual. Aaron's money thing is so good. Write a thesis. It's so about. money. <laughs> you, I, you could probably write a college thesis about it. Probably that was the first thing I latched on. Is like these girls immediately think they're going to become millionaires off these dummies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did, but that's not everyone's story. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to I'd like to think that uh, a com- uh, comedian who got super big with all of his. Oh, uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff Dunham. Jeff Dunham. I think Jeff Dunham Jeff just Dunham. read this as a kid and went like, yeah. Aha! Yeah. <laughs> Angry, mean puppets that are kind of racist is kind of a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. To get, to get famous. Yeah. 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 Like, yeah. like Donatello from Ninja Turtles 2. Yeah. Obscure <laughs> reference if you don't know that, but go look, look up the opening. Oh, oh, I remember that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think that is the episode, Night of the Living Dummy. Uh, this was a blast. Uh, Aaron, thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Uh, I got to say, this is one of the best. I think this is the best episode. I loved it. Yeah. I, I think, think with Aaron's idea that this was all about money, I became the smartest I've ever been in my life. <laughs> the first well, time I Goosebumps like ever we, taught We anyone. had a great time. We reviewed the book. We, 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 we laughed. And then mm-hmm. Aaron legitimized it. Yep. I, I'm I'm an alley ooper. You pass me the ball, and I'll alley oop it back to you. You are the Scotty. You're the Scotty Pippen of podcasts. Yeah. And then you tomahawk slam, and then someone goes, "He's on fire." Aaron, Aaron, I got news for you. You slammed. Okay. Oh my god. You were the, you were Aaron. No, you were Boom the one. Shakalaka. Aaron, you were the one that slammed. You were the one that slammed. You win. He bricked it. No, that's a bad one. Uh, and thank you for everyone who uh, gave us feedback on the subreddit. We're on Reddit uh, slash r slash Goosebuds. Everyone who tweets at us, you guys are amazing. Uh, we're on Twitter at GoosebudsPod. Uh, we have people seeing you guys tell other people on Twitter about the show is amazing. It's great. If anyone actually listens to the show from it, we appreciate it. We see people like every day doing it. Uh, at Danny Sanya, at Jesse Stage, at Holstein Cholo, at Reese's the Wise. So Dom, you may want to sue that guy. Whoa, he's get- uh, no, that's Reese's I, the I Wise. I know that man. Oh, you know that? Yeah. Man. Okay. Well, maybe sue well, him just I know, to say hi. I know, uh, <laughs> we internet know. We internet know each other. Well, Dom, you know him because he's on your show. Oh, that's him. Shit. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, maybe this is a great way to mention you go check out Fantasy Fiction with Dom. Oh, wait, the other show. That, yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, <laughs> you can check out uh, my other show sometime, uh, Fantasy Fiction. It's a podcast. We read stories. We have a great time. There's episodes uh, with me and Chad. That's oh, right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure Aaron Aaron's there in spirit as a ghost. I, or... I'm there uh, as more of a specter or a phantasm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Aaron's also- going to break down why 
the the stories that we tell what they're really about. He's gonna. <laughs> and then when it. you try to when you try to say otherwise, I will tell you you're wrong to your face. <laughs> <laughs> and tell you tell us that you have powers, right? That's I have doing. powers. <laughs> I'm warning you. I'm I just expecting it's gonna be like Aaron listens to all your stories and it's like five stories in a row of like. Uh, about like dick warriors, you know what I mean? Like just like big giant, big giant dicks fighting. Like I, just, I can't read anything into it. I don't know. It's it's, un, it's untouchable. <laughs> and you can check out Aaron along with me on Paranoia Shop, the other podcast we do about monsters and conspiracy theories and other spooky stuff. But it's real. <laughs> but also, uh, not only is telling people about the show online on Twitter, Facebook. Maybe you mail a grandma about the show. Maybe you snail mail someone and tell them about a podcast. I don't know why you would. The other best way to support the show is iTunes. That's right. You can iTunes is a is a thing that Apple made where you can go and purchase music and put your music on it. That's what iTunes <laughs> is. But you can leave you can find our show on iTunes. Please do, even if you don't use iTunes, go to Goosebuds, find it, just search it in the iTunes store, hit subscribe. It costs you nothing. And it's a great way to support the show. You can also leave us a review. That helps us as well. And you can leave us a review as long or as short as you want it to be. Like this one here. I'm going to read mine, guys. I picked one out. Hold on real quick. Dom, Dom, you have a bright future in public radio. (laughs) You know, hey, this is the Marsh membership drive, guys. (laughs) We are annoying. We have water bottles to give out. It's a terrible job, but we're having a great time. (laughs) (laughs) Next up, 12 hours of Terry Gross. Sounds wonderful. Okay, I'm just going to interrupt uh, uh, the best radio ever produced <laughs> to go ahead and beg you for money. But, um, I mean, not that that's what they're doing, but that's what that job is. Yeah. Uh, but here, here's a here's a review. It's by Zroland. It's titled "Listener Beware: You're in for a scare." Left on April 13th, guys. If my memory serves correct, that was not. Friday the 13th. Okay. I called a podcast that breaks down children's horror books, one of my favorite podcasts of all time, but here we are. Well, thank you. Thanks yeah, for that wonderful review. I'm, I'm glad you're here, stuck in the void of the internet. <laughs> I'm going to read a review by Hooligams. Uh, he said, spectacular blend of funniness and nostalgia. This podcast is a great mix of good conversation Hilarious mockery and childhood memories for anyone that grew up through the 90s. As a guy who drives for a living, Chad, pa- Chad Don Paul, which I assume is a new amalgamation of <laughs> all three our, of us. our fusion character you can yeah, see when you do the Chamol, Chamol makes an hour fly by with lots of laughs and great discussions. <laughs> and this is coming from a guy who dressed up as Curly the Skeleton for Halloween when he was 10. Wow. wow. Super cool. Oh. That's, That's a deep whew. cut. That's Aaron Waltke level of dedication right there. <laughs> it is. Uh, I was probably that kid. That may have been written by me. Um, and finally, I'll read one. I like this because it's sim- simple to the point. It's from Scoots for Days, Scoots Faux Days on May 6, 2015. The title is, Is Good. And he, <laughs> and he writes, I wouldn't kick it out of bed for eating crackers. I don't know what that now phrase that's... means, but I love it, <laughs> and I'm using it always. Yep, I, I think it's like a spouse. 
uh, that you would love, even if they're a cracker eater. I think that's what it means. Thank you. <laughs> it's five stars, so clearly it's positive. Thanks, dudes. Uh, <laughs> clearly. clearly it's love. It's five stars. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to drop this bomb. I'm going to drop this bomb on you called uh, Goosebuds Hits Nostalgia Hotspot by Ooh. Luis S.B. Hernandez. He says, if you like Goosebumps, hate R.L. Stein, and 9-11 <laughs> jokes tickle your funny bone, all in that order, then this podcast is the one for you. Super glad, by the way, that 9-11 jokes are... Are we coming our thing? thing. Uh, <laughs> they aren't s- jokes. They aren't jokes about 9-11. <laughs> They're jokes that take place in 9-11. <laughs> Huge difference. So it's real. It's different. We're uh, laughing at something different. True. <laughs> in all seriousness, Goosebuds is just three friends discussing the books a lot of us grew up with, reminding us how fantastic it probably was, then ripping it apart for the cheese it all really is. Whether casually listening at home, work, or on your daily commute, you'll feel the burden of time alleviate as you wish this podcast <laughs> would never end. Great job, guys. Aww. Hey, we I did like, a good job. I apparently. like that his last sentence is basically like, this will help shuttle you towards your grave. <laughs> <laughs> one more hour off the mortal coil. Guys, you're one more hour dead. Happy Goosebuds, everybody. <laughs> Dom, do you want to take us out? or I think you have the slogan guys. now. Guys, we had fun. We got scared. We laughed. We learned. We had some theories shared. We learned something. (laughs) And uh, guys, until next time, keep on goose buzzing in. (laughs) (laughs) You're really the omni-goosebudsman of this podcast. (laughs) Hey, I'll take us out. Hey, I'll I'll take us out. (laughs) We'll all hop on my back. I'll figure out a way to get us out of here. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Goodbye, everyone. I Goodbye. love you all. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye.